Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar. The title of today's podcast is Leadership Rules from General Norman Schwarzkopf. So in 1995, I had the privilege of seeing General Norman Schwarzkopf. I was actually in Cancun at a 10-day retreat headed up by none other than Tony Robbins. It was his Mastery University, and it was an incredibly powerful 10 days, right? And they had all kinds of really well-known guests there. But the one guest that stood out, without a doubt, was General Norman Schwarzkopf. And what was ironic is that anybody that's ever been to a Tony Robbins seminar knows it's referred to as Tony time. And that is, is he kind of does things on his own time frame, right? So if something supposed to happen at noon. It doesn't always happen at noon. It might not happen until 2.30 in the afternoon. It's kind of, he's kind of based on how things are going. He's going to de- determine the timeline. Uh, and this was the case even with all his speakers. You know, they kind of came on when he was ever, whenever he was ready for them to come on until General Norman Schwarzkopf's time was to be on. I believe he was supposed to be on at noon on like on a Tuesday. And what do you know, at exactly 11.59, uh, Tony Robbins is introducing General Norman Schwarzkopf. And when he did, it, you could tell that, that Tony's always respectful and courteous of everyone, but there was a certain level of respect and kind of giving of authority to the to the general. It was really remarkable. And this guy stepped out on stage and you could feel his presence like I don't know that I've ever felt from anyone else. And it wasn't an arrogant presence. It was someone that exuded confidence and ability and wisdom. And, and boy, I was ready to take notes just from the very moment he walked out on stage. And I didn't really have an opinion of him, good or bad, before that moment. And so I took scrupulous notes of that hour and I referred to that time and time again. And ironically, when I was preparing for this podcast, I thought, oh man. Uh, so I pulled out my notes and then I went online and and uh, uh, I found some other notes and, and I, I was reading through them. I go, wait a minute. I thought I came up with that. Wait a minute. Is that who I got that from? I, I didn't realize how much of what I do and how I think and and uh, and what I teach in leadership events really stem from that one-hour presentation from General Norman Schwarzkopf. So he has basically 14 points. And the first four are kind of principles. And the next uh, next series or eight are kind of a series of, of leadership rules. And there's two kind of the extra credit ones at the end, so to speak. So I'm going to go through these. And I got to make some commentation as I'm going uh uh, on, you know, what really spoke to me. The very first one is leaders lead people, not systems, not processes. Think of yourself as a leader. And I think this is really an important event. And that is, is that, you know, we're not like, a, a, there's a difference between a leader and a manager, right? And that it, what's important to remember is, is that it, it's all about your ability to, to, to get people to do other things because they want to, right? That's a good sign of a good leader. So the second point is the importance of Character. Leaders have character. And what is character? It requires a sense of duty, a sense of ethics, a sense of morality. It's, it's not really a measure of competence. This is important to remember. In times of crisis, people pick character to follow. Right. And so to have a strength of character, that is really the prerequisite to having the courage to do the right thing, which we'll talk more about that later. So the third point was uh, leaders must be respected. They may not be loved, but they must be respected. And, uh, you know, that's super important. You, and you can delegate authority, but you have to take responsibility. This is a really important distinction, right? That to your team, you think about this for a minute. You think about, uh, any athlete after the football game, if, if they, if they won, if this is someone that we look up to and respect, if they won, what do they do? They give all, they say, the reason we won is because my team worked so hard today, right? And, and if they lose, they take full credit for it. That's the sign of a good leader. We, we respect someone that does that. <laughs> I'm reminded of a, uh, a, an office episode where Michael Scott is asked, is it more important to be loved or feared? And his comment is, well, 
I want my people to love me so much. That, I, excuse me. I want my I want my people to be afraid of how much they love me. Anyway, classic uh, uh, office humor. Either you get it or you don't. So the fourth kind of general principle is that true rewards of leadership come from leadership itself, not a promotion or some tangible reward. So a leader should not seek rewards because leadership is its own reward. And I think this is a really important distinction. If you want to be a successful longtime leader, you're not doing it uh, for the promotion. You're doing it because that's what that's who you are. And and, and there, there's a big difference. And those are the kind of people that uh, that you're going to when you like that, you're going to gra- naturally have people gravitate to you for the right reasons. So the next are kind of rules on leadership. And, and the, the first, very first one under this one would be no organization will get better until leadership admits that there's something broken. I love this line. In order to admit, I, I remember writing this down specifically, right? In order for things must change, you must first accept that they aren't right yet. And, and there's a lot of different interpretations of that. But one of the ways I interpret that is the ability to keep an open mind. And I know for me, in, in my career, I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time. And I have this amazing group of people with me. But a lot of times, someone will come up, will be brainstorming on an idea and I, by default, I start getting defensive. Someone says, maybe we can, like, like, like as if they're, they're saying what we're doing isn't good and somehow that's my fault, which is not what they're saying at all. They're, we're just brainstorming and I have to remind myself, no, man, there's always room for improvements. Yeah, the Japanese term is shoshin. Shoshin roughly translated means beginner's mind, right? Uh, always looking for ways to improve. And so this kind of, it's that prevalent can-do attitude, you know, it, 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 that's really what it takes. You have to have that if you're willing to accept what you can't do. And that, that's the, the trick to kind of having change happen. Okay, the second rule under this, uh, under kind of the Norman Schwarzkopf leadership rules is uh, the climate must allow for people to speak up. This is really important. And I know as a martial artist, because we have the instructor-student relationship in certain organizations, it's super strict, right? You never question your master instructor or your sensei or your shihan or your sifu, right? However, uh, what's really important is if you want to grow, the people around you have to be comfortable uh, disagreeing with you. And, and this is an important thing in our organization. What I want is I don't want a bunch of yes people. I want people that think for themselves, right, that are independent thinkers. But at the end of the day, once we all agree upon something, they'll be all in with whatever the decision is made. Okay, that's, you know, you don't want a bunch of people that think like you. You don't need more. You got you. You want people that think differently, but, you know, like a concert. You don't want just a bunch of people that are, are playing one instrument. It's, it's the combination of all the instruments going together that really make, make something sound beautiful. So the next one is leaders, leaders establish goals for an organization. They must be understood and, and know their role in reaching the goal. Think the SMART goal. And what it was a SMART goal, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time sensitive. It's a really kind of a good guideline for that. And leaders, Really, their number one goal is to help people focus. Uh, super important. Creating focus is the number one priority for a leader. You know, excellent leaders instill focus by creating shared goals that are both clear and easy to understand, right? When everyone understands their roles, uh, it's a lot easier to achieve goals. Okay. The fourth rule here is leaders set high standards. They don't accept low standards. They set the expectations high. And I think this is important to understand that people don't go to work to fail. They go to work to succeed. Now, uh, we have kind of teach a concept in, in when you're when you're hiring people, right? When you're looking for for help, it, it's we call it the hire right, train right, treat right. What does that mean? You start out by hiring the right person, 
You train them right and then you treat them right. That's really the key term to long-term effectiveness with your team. And so there's an assumption here. If you don't have the right person, nothing else matters. Uh, you can train them until you're blue in the face. But if it's the wrong person, it's never going to work out. But once you have the right person, you have to train them right. Okay? And uh, and that's where a lot of times we have to go back to a, a delegate authority, okay, but accept responsibility. If something doesn't go right, what we, what we have to do is we understand that we probably didn't set the right standards because this person, if they're that right person, they want to be successful. That's their intention, okay? So we want to help them do that. So the next step is kind of a follow-up of that. The leaders set high standards, but the next one is they clarify their expectations, uh, then they expect people will go to work on achieving those goals. So let's imagine we have a big goal. I know exactly. So I set a high standard, but I should know exactly what my job is in there. And everybody in the team should know exactly what their share of the work is, what they're supposed to be doing. So the next one is leaders recognize and reward success. I think this is really important to understand that that both failure and success are contagious. And it's really interesting uh, if there's any martial arts instructors out there, you will be able to identify with this perfectly. But oftentimes when we do a board breaking, there's a lot of different reasons why we might break boards, right? The most important thing is is really teaching people to focus and to concentrate and to give 100% commitment to some goal. And the whole idea with a board is that it's a piece of – usually a piece of uh, – pine wood that's cut somewhat in, in, a, in a square, right? And you break it with the grain. Now, this is really important because it's not going to break against the grain. It's kind of like you don't set unrealistic goals. A, a board represents a worthy goal, okay? It's got to be realistic because if it was a piece of plywood, it's not going to break. And, and But then a worthy goal still might be hard to do. So then now the next thing we have to do is teach that person to really fully commit to it. And that's where the success comes into play. Well, I, I share this with you because what happens inevitably, let's just say we had a black belt test three weeks ago. We actually two, did two different black belt tests on two different days. And these were for junior black belts. So these are kids ranging in age of, say, uh, 11 to 13, right? In that age, age rate. And, and the very first day, what happened was, is the first person didn't break their board. And part of the reason was because it's because of COVID, uh, we were having the parents hold the boards and part of the art is holding the board correctly. So the parents may not have had the same experience, although we showed them how to do it. It's just a little different. And, and so the parents weren't holding the boards quite right. So the first couple of boards didn't break. And then what happened is all the other students that were about to break the board, they saw the failure. They saw like, oh, man. Uh, I guess it's going to be harder than, than I thought. And uh, we had a lot of trouble getting through those boards. Now, everybody eventually got through it, but it was tricky because guess what? Failure was contagious. So the next morning, we were at a different park. And what I did this time is I made sure that the first person that broke the board had uh, the parent that was holding, knew how to hold it, was going to strong. The kid that was breaking was powerful. And what do you know? That first board broke. But when I made sure the second one was the right person, the two first two broke. And then every other kid, with the exception of one, broke it on their first attempt, and that person did it on the second. Why? Success is also contagious as well. And, and so once we understand that both failure and success are contagious, then what we want to do is we want to recognize and identify success. And that might just be to the point of, hey, man, publicly acknowledging a job well done. When someone has a success, we want to shout it from the rooftops so we can get more of those that, that response. So the next one is leaders accept a few mistakes. 
We, we got to provide people the latitude to learn. This is really important because if you don't ever met, have, allow people to fail, they're never going to try. They're going to be scared to death to try. So I remember hearing a story about somebody that, uh, uh, that did a wrong that was a, this is up and coming account executive that, that basically cost, uh, a well-intended mistake uh, where they, they thought they would get a, a certain batch of, uh, of books. Uh, uh, to print in a certain amount of time to meet a deadline and they missed it. They're off by a couple of days and it cost the company a hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, the guy that, that, that made the mistake was absolutely convinced he was going to get fired. Right. And this was a well-intended guy that, that just, you know, hadn't maybe developed, uh, as much experience in this particular area as he could have. And the boss comes in and they have a talk and the guy's, you know, already got his, all his stuff collected and he's, he's ready to, he understands he's going to get fired. And, and, uh, the guy basically, the boss says, Hey man, you cost the company, the company a lot of money. You just got a hundred thousand dollar education. I hope what'd you learn from it? In other words, he didn't fire the guy. It's like, okay, I just invested a lot of money into this guy. I promise you he is never going to make that stake again, mistake again. So we got to let our people fail from time to time, especially when it's an honest mistake. So this next one's really important. And that is, is leaders don't tell people how to do their job. They simply allocate resources, set standards and results and let the results really speak for themselves. And they'll always exceed their expectations. This is really tricky. And this is about, you don't want to be a micromanager. At least I don't want to be a micromanager. Here's the job that needs to be done. Here's what I recommend. Figure it out. Okay. And, and that's every time that I've tried to step in and micromanage, it's never worked out really well. Uh, and by the way, a little side note that, that uh, how General Norman Schwarzkopf, and I've used this strategy for 25 years, and I think it's brilliant, is he taught his team, the people under him, if they've got a problem, if they're going to come to him with some kind of a problem, he didn't want. He doesn't want. Don't come to me with a problem unless you come to me with that problem and three possible solutions and the solution you like the best. I just think this is brilliant, okay? Because what it does is it gets people being solution-oriented, which, of course, I'm a big fan of positioning every challenge in the form of a question that assumes there's an answer, and that process right there does it, okay? So you got, you got a problem in the company, bring it forward, give me three options, and tell me the one you like the best. And that's a really a powerful way to train your people in, in a way that's going to be, what, highly uh, productive for everyone. And then he's got the last two. This is called rule number 13. Now, uh, I've referred to him, re- I, I, I've heard him refer to this several times before. It doesn't necessarily mean it's just kind of rule number 13, okay? Although it is the 13th one I'm talking about. The other ones aren't considered rule number seven or eight, but this is rule number 13. And, uh, and it really, the final two rules really identify if you have what it takes to, to really have that leadership courage. And rule number 13 is when placed in command, take charge. I love that line. When placed in command, take charge. And that's one of the concepts we talk about when, when we're developing new instructors, right? When you step out on the floor to help a group of kids or a group of adults, just act like you own the place. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance, but be confident in your presentation. No one wants to follow a leader that's unsure of themselves. Sometimes you might have to fake it, but that's okay. I think it's important to remember that even if a decision is bad, you set change in motion. A, a, a bad decision is better than no change, which is really just going to be stagnant. So once again, when placed in command, take charge. And the final is rule number 14. And rule number 14 is do what is right. So years ago, 
uh, this is a sign of character. You know, have a strength of character, uh, which is a prerequisite to having the courage to do the right thing, as I mentioned earlier. And do the right thing and have the moral courage to do the right thing. So years ago, I was, uh, my brother and I were sitting down and we were having a, a, an issue and it was regarding, it was kind of a legal issue that we we're going through and there was a little bit of an ethical and a moral dilemma that we we're having to deal with. And we had our attorney here who's the guy that always dots the I's and crosses the T's and makes sure that we're legally covered. And, and there was like this ethical ethical thing, what was legal and what was correct and what was right. And I'll never forget what our attorney said. It was some just some really valuable information. He said, he looked at me and said, Dave, at the end of the day, we got to do the right thing. We got to do the right thing. And so, like for example, right now, uh, our schools, we are opening up and we're opening up. Uh, the, the date of this is, is the, the, the beginning of October 2020 and we're in the middle of the pandemic, right? And we've been, we've been out of our schools for about seven months teaching out of the park and on Zoom, et cetera. And uh, the, the laws and rules and guidelines are so unclear as to whether we can be inside or outside, uh, what exactly we can do. So we, we, uh, the, the leadership team, we got together and we thought, okay, what's the right thing to do? Well, we believe the right thing to do, and, and there, by the way, there is uh, some paperwork that backs up where we're at, is to be in our schools in a very safe, socially distanced area where we're following all the protocols. So anybody from the government coming and go, yeah, those guys, you know, are they're doing it right. Okay, so that's the right thing to do. That became more important than 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 uh, following whatever maybe the guidelines someone set somewhere else that we may or may not know that's in, in effect. So. I hope you find these valuable. Once again, I found these these tips uh, uh, so powerful. And if you ever get a chance to maybe go on YouTube and listen to General Norman Schwarzkopf speak or read a little bit about his amazing life, he's really quite a guy. And in my uh, my opinion, a true American hero and worth looking into. So I, I really appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Otherwise, until next time, take care. Bye-bye.